This is such a beautiful text. As I was, uh, I had no question that this was the text that we were supposed to cover today as a church family, uh, but also it's such a beautiful text that I almost want to stay out of the way of it. Um, so what we will do is we will walk through this this morning and, uh, and just give a little context for this text. But at, at the end of the day, um, this is all about the longing for and the enjoyment of God's presence and his glory. And uh, we've already started that because in this day and age as the church, uh, not only does the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God live within us, but he also dwells amongst us as the church. And so as we gather this Sunday, this is a celebration of the fact that God's presence is, is in the midst of us. Uh, to Rick's point, um, whether we come in uh, broken or um, longing or joyous um, or a combination, most likely a combination of all of those things, the Holy Spirit is amongst us and within us as the church. And that is where we enjoy his presence today. Um, the psalm, however, was written in the Old Testament context, and so we'll, we'll draw some comparisons between that and where we are today. So at the very beginning, the sons of Korah, I believe one of the other uh, Sundays we covered another of the psalms by the sons of Korah. Um, what comes to mind for you, well, let me just ask you, what comes to mind for you when I say sons of Korah? What do we know about these people? Rebellion. Rebellion. Wow, and juggling a baby at the same time. That's, that's talented, Jonathan. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the sons of Korah are most often um, remembered as the sons of Korah, who was with Dathan and Abiram, who, who rebelled against Moses in the wilderness. Um, so it's a pretty negative context. What we know elsewhere in Scripture about these guys is that they obviously were musicians. They were writers of some of the Psalms. Uh, we know that some of the sons of Korah joined with King David before he was king uh, as warriors when he was fleeing from Saul. So uh, in this particular psalm, there's the term, O Lord Almighty, or in some of your Bibles, it might say Lord of hosts. Um, but this is kind of speaking of God as the leader of heaven's armies. And so these, some of these sons of Korah were soldiers. And so there's some context in this psalm even that relates to that heritage. Um, and then also, we know from First Chronicles that they had a role within the ministry of the temple or the tabernacle, and that was to be doorkeepers or gatekeepers in the courts uh, of the temple. And so when we hear that phrase in this psalm, that too is something that will tie back to uh, who these men were as the sons or the descendants of Korah. Uh, the psalm itself really breaks down nicely into three parts. So Sarah read the Selah. Uh, so nicely, which is a pause and reflect. Um, it kind of creates natural partitions throughout the psalm, so it breaks it into three parts. Um, I like to think of those parts, or I will, I will use for the, today's purposes, uh, those three parts as the first being the longing for the presence of God, the second being the journey to the presence of God, because for these people it was a literal journey to Jerusalem, uh, and then the enjoyment of the presence of God is kind of the third chunk of this particular psalm. So at the very beginning of the psalm, uh, you just see the psalmist yearning for the presence of the Lord. And I think uh, all of us can relate to this longing uh, for, for something. Uh, Sarah and I were talking this morning, and I think uh, a lot of times we can think, well, if I just had a different set of circumstances, then, then I would be fulfilled in my soul. Or if... Um, things would just work out a little bit better than I would be fulfilled in my very innermost being. Um, 
And all of those things are wonderful. We just spent a month on Lummi Island, which is one of the most majestic places on earth. Um, and yet, even that in itself is not what our soul longs for. Um, the Bible's really clear that, that our souls hunger and thirst for the presence of God, for the glory of God. And so you, you see that with the psalmist here saying, um, my soul yearns, it even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And um, that's a healthy hunger. That's a healthy desire. And it's a rightly placed hunger and desire that the psalmist has to enjoy and experience more of who God is. Not just in um, going through rituals or ceremony, but at the end of the day, we as a church family, this is what we are about, right? Is, is longing for and helping one another enjoy and experience the presence and the glory of God. So at this time in the Old Testament, what you would have to do is you would have to go from wherever you live and so, like, for us, if this was still Old Testament times, we would have to hop a plane or two to get over to Jerusalem. We would have to travel to the literal temple, so an actual building, and we would then get closer to the presence of God. The problem was the presence and the glory of God dwelt within this very small part of the tabernacle uh, that was off limits to everybody in this room. Uh, and only one person could enter that space only one time a year on the Day of Atonement, and that was the high priest. And even at that, if they didn't go through all the right rituals and everything, they would fall down dead in the, in the presence of God. And so uh, there were layers. Uh, most of us would be uh, Gentiles or non-Jewish people, and so we would be on the very furthest outside court, and then there would be a literal gate that we could not pass through at the risk of death. And so we would be way far away from not just the tabernacle, but then within that tabernacle, the, the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, where God's glory and God's presence was. Now, if you were a Jewish female, you could go a little bit closer, but you too would run into a gate that would keep you from getting any closer to the presence of God. If you were a Jewish male, you could take one step closer and come before the altar of God, but that's as far as you could go. And then if you were a, a priest, uh, or a Levite who actually worked within the tabernacle or the temple itself, then you could enter that building, that structure, but you would still be separated by a giant veil that would keep you from the presence of God. So that's the context, is a literal, physical place for them. And as we talked about this morning, fortunately, we don't have to travel to Jerusalem, but the presence and the glory of God is with us, and we'll unpack that as we, as we get into this. Um, people debate... Uh, the context in which the psalm was sung. And so some think it, it was a song of like uh, journeying and expectation of that trip to Jerusalem, to the temple. Um, and so as people would be en route several times a year for these various feasts that would gather everybody around the temple in Jerusalem, uh, they would be singing the song. And, and so you can almost imagine the psalmist singing this in anticipation and excitement um, saying, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. And there's like this, this expectancy to this psalm. But others think that this psalm was sung uh, more in captivity. So when the Babylonians came and they destroyed uh, Jerusalem and they took the people of God ca- uh, captive back to Babylon, um, they would be separated. Not only would the temple be destroyed completely, so this presence of glory of God in this temple structure no longer existed, 
but they would be removed and held captive by the Babylonians. And so it could also be considered a song of lament um, because there's this longing, but that presence, that glory was not there. I expect this morning that there are some people here, even though we're in a different age and we don't have to go to Jerusalem, that are feeling like you're in one or both of those camps. And um, I just want to recognize that up front. Um, and we'll, we'll talk more about the fact that um, Jesus has removed every barrier that we would have to come into the presence of God. So, so wherever you're at this morning, whether you feel uh, distant and you, you feel like there are some barriers between you and God, or if you feel like um, this excitement and anticipation of, of enjoying the presence of God today or before you, or if you feel like you're in the spot where um, it's almost a hopelessness because uh, of whatever situation you are in, you feel captive and separated from the presence of God, I would just lovingly remind you this morning that uh, Jesus has broken down every barrier. He has removed the separation that is between us and him, and he has invited us in to experience and enjoy this presence individually, and then for sure as a church family. And if there was one thing that the Lord, I think, would want to speak to us as a church family and that I've had on my heart as I read this psalm, it is that. In full recognition that many of us are in various stages of all of this, Jesus tore the veil. He was the veil, the Bible says. And when his flesh was torn on the cross, he actually tore that veil of separation for you and for me. He actually was the, the living and total sacrifice, once and for all sin, that separated us from God. And so that altar has been removed, and we can come boldly before the throne of grace. There is no longer Jew nor Gentile. There's neither male nor female. We can all come as one into the presence of God. It goes on to say, even a sparrow has found a home and to swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. A place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. The natural response to this reality that Jesus has removed all barriers, even for something like a sparrow (laughs) that finds its home in God's presence, is this reality that um, all of creation finds its home in Jesus. One day everything will be gathered together unto him, and he is our creator, he is our God, he is our king. And it even mentions that uh, at the end of this um, verse 3, it says, O Lord Almighty, my king and my God. And uh, Jesus is <laughs> that beautiful name that is unlike any other, that has, that has washed away our sin, that he has removed those barriers, and we come now into his house and the appropriate response to that is praise. Uh, that's part of why I feel like I, I don't want to get in the way of what the Lord is doing this morning because even just us uh, singing his praises together before the teaching is, um, that's, that's, that's the whole point. That's, God is here and we get to respond to him in that kind of way. That, um, that almost healthy pouring out, that longing that's in our souls, when it is fulfilled in the presence of God, the natural response is that pouring out in honor to him. 
So the second part of the psalm talks a little bit about the journey to God's presence. And again, this was a literal pilgrimage for these people um, to Jerusalem. But it mentions that, uh, that as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. And so the Valley of Baca, we don't know exactly what this is meant to be, but most people agree that it is a, a valley of kind of difficulty or dryness um, or challenge. So it's like if you're on this literal journey to Jerusalem, it would be this, this tough part of the trip where there is um, kind of barrenness and desert and dryness. For them, this was the literal journey, but for us, it's the journey of our souls, right? And so in our souls, some of us this morning can feel like we might be going through the valley of Baca, uh, the the valley of dryness. Um, And so we have this longing, like I said, for some people, that is a longing that uh, can almost lead to lament or despair, Um, but it says, in the midst of that valley, in the midst of that situation, um, they make it a place of springs, and the autumn rains also cover it with pools. And so this naturally caused me to think of when the children of Israel were de- delivered from Egypt by God, and they were wandering through the dry wilderness between Egypt and the Promised Land. Um, they were complaining, and they were lamenting, of this thirst that they had. Again, likening that to the thirst that we have inside our souls for the presence and glory of God. And God, in that situation, caused water to flow from a rock. <laughs> and, and literally streams or rivers of water would flow from this rock in the wilderness for the children of Israel, and it would satiate their thirst. It would, it would quench their thirst, and it would fulfill them. And... Um, that's how God provided for them in that day and age. What's neat about that is they would institute this feast. It would be called the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles is one of these feasts where all of these people would journey to Jerusalem uh, to come into the presence of the Lord. And what they would do is for seven days, they would set up tents and they would dwell in tents, remembering kind of the wilderness wandering. And they would... um, come in remembrance of what God did to deliver them and provide for them in that dry, arid wilderness. And so as you think about this journey to Jerusalem, it actually correlates very closely to one of these feasts, which is this Feast of Tabernacles. And what they would do, uh, one of the things they would do during this feast is they would go down to the Pool of Siloam, and one of the priests would draw water from the Pool of Siloam and they would come before the altar of God, and they would pour out this water in remembrance, again, of God providing water from a rock for these people in the wilderness. And so they would do that in, in commemorance uh, seven days during the Feast of Tabernacles. And then on the eighth day, the last and final, the greatest day, they would call it of the feast, what they would do is they would go down to the Pool of Siloam, but they would not draw up water. So they would have an empty vessel, and they would go back up to the altar and then they would signify pouring out nothing because they were still longing for, they were still waiting for the fulfillment of what that promised in the wilderness, which is one day the Messiah, the Savior, would come. God made flesh, the King, would come into their presence, 
And it was to signify this longing that we see described in this psalm for God's presence, for the literal God of heaven and earth to come and deliver not just the Jews, but all people, not just from their sin, but to bring his Holy Spirit as well. And in John chapter 7, I'll just read it to you, uh, Jesus was here at this Feast of Tabernacles, and here's what it says. On the last and greatest day of the feast, where they would pour out the empty vessel, waiting for the Messiah, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And by this he meant the Spirit. This is the invitation of God to us as his church. That as we go through life, we don't literally travel to Jerusalem, but we do go through these seasons of dryness and despair and difficulty. And we're promised that we will, right? Life just comes with that stuff. But in the midst of those seasons, in the midst of those valleys... We need not stay away from God, but the invitation of God is, is if you're, anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, out of your, your innermost being, out of your soul, will flow rivers of living water, speaking of the Holy Spirit. And so we as the church in 2018 in Sherwood... Um, not only are we no longer separated from God, um, but we, we, we are invited by Jesus into the presence of God to come to him and to allow the Holy Spirit to minister, to fill, and to overflow from our souls. So the presence of God, like we mentioned at the beginning, is not, not in a building in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit of God now dwells within us. We are called the temple of the Holy Spirit. And as we come to Jesus we experience the flowing and the, the refreshing and, the, frankly, the overflowing of God's Spirit in and through us. And so we may, we may have these longings inside of our soul, and we might go, oh, man, if I could just go back to Lummi Island, then I'd be golden. Or if I could just um, have that house or that career, uh, then I would be fulfilled. And the longing of our souls is fulfilled only by Jesus Christ. And his Holy Spirit uh, not just fills the void that was within our souls, but it is able to overflow from our souls. (laughs) It can't help but overflow from our souls. The psalm goes on and says, Look upon our shield, O God. Look on favor on your anointed one. The word for anointed one actually is Mashiach or Messiah speaking of Jesus. And so not only is this a psalm of, of expectancy and rejoicing, uh, of thanksgiving and praise, not only is it a psalm of lament, but this is actually a messianic psalm. 
and that looked ahead to the day that we now enjoy when Jesus would come and institute this new way of experiencing God's presence and his glory. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. So as I mentioned in the beginning, uh, the sons of Korah were actually doorkeepers in the house of God. And so uh, many times I have read and understood the psalm to say, oh, it's better to be uh, a doorkeeper thinking of kind of like a a servant-oriented role within the house of God um, than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. That's probably true. If you look at the entirety of Scripture, right, that, that's, that's probably a true statement, um, that to um, serve God and to serve other people is a place where we will experience more joy and satisfaction. Um, I don't think that's the primary thing this, this passage is saying, because these sons of Korah had a role that was God-given that they would find their fulfillment in doing. Um, one of the things that Sarah and I were talking about also while we were gone for almost a month <laughs> is that that was awesome and it was refreshing and we got to relax and rest and play with our kids and it was super fun. Um, but after a certain amount of time, I felt this void because so many of the things that God had called us to do and be and where he has called us to be are back here. And, um, and, and, and each of us, has been given by God gifts and talents and passions and a role to play within his church, right? It's not just that, that uh, Peter has a role and I have a role, but all of us have a role within the body of Christ. And it has been given by God. And what this is saying is it's more fulfilling to be in the presence of God and filled with his Holy Spirit and doing and being whatever that is, for one day than to be somewhere else doing something else for a thousand. And so one of the things that I pray the Holy Spirit would do within each of your hearts and minds as we worship uh, and respond to the teaching today is, is let, let the Holy Spirit tell you what that thing is. What, what is it? What is that role that God has given you where if you were to do that for a day, it would just be so good, so right, such a blessing to others that uh, it would be better than a thousand days doing something else, being someone else, being somewhere else. And it's unique to you. God wired you with a very specific role. These guys were doorkeepers. And they were psalmists. And they were warriors. But man, what are those things for, for you? Um, I pray the Holy Spirit would just, just enlighten us this morning on that. Uh, it was in Chariots of Fire. I have to use the Chariots of Fire quote on this one because it's such a good fit. But Eric, Eric Liddell, who was kind of this, this uh, phenomenal Olympic runner um, in this story, and I won't, I won't go into the movie too much, um, but he said, I believe God made me for a purpose but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. What, what, what is that for you? And I just pray that if, if the Lord reveals that to you, and uh, as he reveals it to you, um, that you would really be praying about, okay, how can I exercise that? 
I know in my life I've, I've confined that to a specific role. So God, if you want me to lead, for example, um, then I have to be in this particular role. And most oftentimes, it's not confined to a role or a place. Like the temple was not confined to a certain place in Jerusalem, but you're actually called to do and be that everywhere. So if I'm called to lead, then I can lead at church or I, within the church. Uh, I can lead at home. I can lead at work. Um, but it can play itself out lots of different places. So don't confine how God might want that gift or that talent or that interest to play itself out, but just let the Holy Spirit have reign. And, uh, yeah, and just see what he, what he does. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Sun and shield. What, what comes to mind uh, when I use those terms in terms of positive attributes of God? How about sun first? Light. Light, warmth. Yeah. What else? Protection. Yeah, yeah. Shield, protection. Yeah. Yeah, life, you know, so, so the sun just kind of causing things to grow and be healthy uh, or tan, um, <laughs> as it may be. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's speaking to all of those things, and it says that God is, is our sun and our shield. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Blessed is the man who trusts in you. It's uh, in the midst of all of this, we, we rely entirely upon the work of God to uh, send his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. And we get to experience and enjoy that life because the father sent the son, because the son died upon the cross for the sins of the world, removing those barriers that were between us and God and inviting us into enjoying his presence and his glory. And his Holy Spirit was sent to now live inside of us so that individually and as the church, we might experience his presence and his glory as well. And so um, this morning, let's celebrate that as we respond in worship and song. Um, Let's enjoy the, the truth that God is here amongst us, within us, and his life is real and overflowing, and we can experience rivers of living water regardless of the circumstances of life that we can come together. And that's one of the things we do on Sunday mornings is we come together to help remind one another of this reality, of this truth. Um, I think sometimes we rely on our emotions to tell us whether or not we, we are close to God, right? And so this morning, if I asked the question, do you feel close to God? There would be varying answers of, ah, yeah, I feel really close to God, or no, I feel very far removed from God. And this is just a reminder that the power of the gospel is actually even greater than our emotions. And so um, that isn't to negate or, or devalue your emotions, but the power of gospel in Jesus Christ is greater. And so that's what we celebrate. That's what I'm inviting all of us into now as we respond in worshiping and song. Uh, We also have the tables of communion where we just remember the reality of the body and the blood that was broken for us, that has invited us in to enjoy God's very presence and his glory in this place today.
Amen? Hmm. Jesus, there's no other name like yours. There's no other God like ours that would that would visit us, that would die for us, that would rise from the grave and send his spirit to live inside of us. And yet, you're good and you're faithful and we are in awe of your glory and your majesty and your presence. God, we know that in your presence is fullness of joy, that at your right hand are pleasures forever. And I pray that we would just get a taste of that this morning. God, I pray that... um, wherever people are at, that they would feel the freedom to come before you with boldness and humility and praise this morning because of the work of Jesus uh, for us. And I pray, too, that we would never lose the hunger to draw even nearer because one day we will get to be in your literal presence in eternity where we will worship you forever. So we start that process now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That was wonderful, Derek.